The Lord be with you. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? I would really like the answer to be not, yeah? Because I would like to keep more of what is mine, and throughout my life, everything seems to conspire to take it from me, right? I, I have a house which takes my money because I have to pay the mortgage, I have to pay the insurance, I have to pay the utilities, I have to pay the maintenance. I have a dog, which seemed like a really good idea when we got her, but turns out she takes my money too. I have to pay for her food and for her toys and for her medical bills. And we have a daughter, and she takes my money for all the same reason the dog does, but double. And then, of course, the government steps in and says, hey, we want to take your money, too, because apparently I'm supposed to pay for roads and for judges and for an army. And then I remember that God says, oh, yeah, and maybe a 10% of whatever you make, you should also give to God. And so God takes, and I'm not sure what I get from that. And about this point, I have maybe 10% of my money left to do with what? I want to do, to do with, as I see fit, to control. And it's usually about this time that my wife speaks up and says, what do you mean your money? (laughs) And she's right. It is our money. She contributes so much uh, to our household. So I say, okay, honey, what would you like to do with our money? And she says, I got some great plans to renovate our house. And I say, you know... I think our house is just perfect as it is. And she says, okay, honey, what would you like to do with our money? And I say, you know, I would love to take us as a family on a trip, maybe to Ethiopia or Armenia, places with cultures that we haven't experienced before. And she says, don't those countries have active war zones? I say, yeah, well, we wouldn't go to that part of the country, obviously. And so we negotiate, yeah. She sort of makes her lists of what she wants, and I make my lists of what I want, and we look at our budget, and we we give, and we take, and then life shows up and takes some more in unexpected ways, right? Two years ago, our dog sliced her paw completely in half, and of course did so at a time when our regular vet was not open, and so we had to pay the emergency vet bills for that. There goes a few thousand dollars, and then... Uh, Last year, my wife and daughter were uh, visiting some folks up in Oregon, and a bat got into the room with them. And so they figured, let's get rabies vaccines, and it turns out those are not cheap. And just this past month, uh, we discovered we have a rat infestation in our attic, and it turns out that is really not cheap. And at about that point, we look at the plans that we had made with our money and all the things that we had under our control, and we realize, oh, wait, maybe we don't actually have all that under our control. We don't get to do everything we thought we were going to do. And usually we do have enough left over that we can do maybe one of the things that my wife or I wants to do, and... Usually I can get the trip to squeeze out, maybe not to like Ethiopia, but someplace closer. Except this year, I knew I had applied for a grant for a sabbatical. Yeah? And this grant would pay for me to, to have three months off. 
right? It would pay for a pastor to come and cover my responsibilities here and then give money for me to travel and visit different places and get to go study and learn in those places. And so I said, honey, let's do the renovation you want to our living room because there's a tripping hazard there anyway and we should probably take care of it, yes. But then, of course, the grant for the sabbatical didn't come through. And I was like, oh, now I don't get to do the thing I want to do. And you know how I said we give 10% to the church? I started looking at that 10% and I said, you know, that could cover a lot of the basic costs of me going on a sabbatical. That could definitely cover the costs of paying pastors to cover while I'm away and maybe even a little left over for us to do something fun. And hey, look, the idea of a sabbatical, it comes from the Bible. So maybe this is a godly thing to do with my money. Instead of giving it to the church, I'll give it to what I want. And in that way, I can keep control of my life. But here's the thing about our control versus God's control. God's control is always better. Yeah? So about a thousand years before Jesus, the Hebrew people said to God, God, we want someone to be in control of our lives. And God says, yeah, no problem, that's me. And the Hebrew people said, no, 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 God. We want a person to be in control of our lives. We want a king, someone that you anoint to be our Messiah, our defender, our protector. Give us a king, God. And God says, "Mm, that's not a great idea. And the people said, no, no, give us to us, please. We want a king. So God says, fine. And so for about 400 years, the Hebrew people have kings. And sometimes it works out pretty good, but most of the time it doesn't. Until about 600 years before Jesus, the Babylonian army shows up on the outside of Jerusalem and just smashes Jerusalem, tears it to the ground, kills a bunch of people, hauls the rest off as slaves, And the kings of Israel come to an end. And for the time that the Jewish people are in Babylon, they yearn that God sends them another king, another person who is anointed a Messiah, who will rescue them from the Babylonians and do to the Babylonians what the Babylonians did to them. In fact, if you read Psalm 137, you'll notice it ends with people praying that God bless whoever can take the heads of Babylonian babies and smash them against rocks. That's literally a prayer in the Bible. Because that's what we would like, yeah? That we get to do to our enemies what they do to us. And you know what? God says to God's people, you do need a Messiah. You do need someone who's anointed. But it's not going to be one of your kings. It's going to be a king that I choose. And so God chooses someone to save the Jewish people. God chooses Cyrus. Now, here's the one problem with Cyrus. Cyrus, he isn't Jewish. He's Persian, from what we would think of today as Iran. And Cyrus, sure enough, he raises up a massive army, and it defeats the Babylonian army. And Cyrus, he comes and he marches on Jerusalem, and the Jewish people think, whoa, is he going to do to Jerusalem? Or Not to Jerusalem. He marches on Babylon, excuse me. He marches on Babylon, where the Jewish people are captives. And the Jewish people think, wait, is he going to do to Babylon what Babylon did to us? Except, wait, we are in Babylon right now. So this may not work out super great. 
When Cyrus comes to the gates of Babylon, Cyrus says, I would rather not be your killer. I'd rather be your king. And just as the prophet Isaiah prophesies, the gates to the city of Babylon open for Cyrus. And he takes it without a siege, without a fight. He enters into Babylon peacefully, and he does not do to Babylon what Babylon did to Jerusalem. Instead, Cyrus builds up Babylon to one of its highest points of prosperity in history. And then Cyrus does for God's people what they had wanted this whole time, which was to go home. Cyrus says, you can go home. You can go back to Israel. And even better, you can worship your own God. But get this. Cyrus did this not just for the Jewish people. God, Cyrus did this for every single people that the Babylonians had conquered. Cyrus said to all of them, go home. Rebuild your houses and your cities and worship your gods however you see fit. Scholars attribute Cyrus with creating the foundation of the concept of universal human rights. That everyone, no matter their ethnicity or their religion, should have basic fundamental rights, even if they're the people that you conquered. What God does through Cyrus is so much greater than what the Jewish people were able to imagine on their own. Because the truth is, when it comes to our control versus God's control, God's control is always so much greater. Today we hear Isaiah 45 say that this foreigner, this heathen, this pagan who does not know God is still an instrument of God, that he belongs to God. And here's the truth. If some Persian king who has never heard the name of Yahweh or Jesus can belong to God, the truth is, so does everything else. Jesus says, give to the emperor what is the emperor's, and to God what is God. And of course, the answer is, everything is God's, even the emperor. But how much more so is everything in my life? My house is God's. My dog is God's. My daughter and my wife, they belong to God. And here's the trick. God has given those things to me as a gift, beyond my deserving. I don't have to pay for my house. I get to pay for my house. I don't have to pay for my dog. I get to pay for my dog. I don't have to pay to take care of my daughter. I get to pay to take care of my daughter. And I don't have to share my money with my wife I get to share my money with my wife. And you want to know how I know it is a privilege to do those things? Because if I ever thought about a reality where I didn't get to pay for a house or my dog or my daughter or my wife, I do not want to live in that reality. All those things are gifts given to me by the grace of God. I have no claim to them. Just like everything else in my life, they come from God, and yet God has chosen to give me the wealth that I have 
to take care of these people that God has entrusted into my hand. And while that is true of my family, that is even true of our government. As much as I don't like to do it, it is a privilege to get to pay taxes to our government. Right? I'm not saying our government is perfect. There's lots of ways in which it isn't, but I have traveled enough to know there are countries that have way worse governments than we do, and I am grateful that I have the privilege not only to pay taxes to this one, but that I get a voice in ensuring it is being run the way I believe it should be run. God gives me all these gifts, and God gives me resources that I might take care of them. But they all come from God. So that we don't forget that the U.S. government has a way to participate in the wealth that we have. The U.S. government writes its name and puts its pictures on the dollar bills that we put in our pockets. They do that to remind you, hey, when we ask for this back, remember where it came from, yeah? God has also put God's image on us. But we forget that. And so what God does to help us remember where everything comes from is in the Hebrew Scriptures, God says, tithe. Give 10% of what you have received this year. And don't give the last 10%, right? Don't wait to see, well, what do I have left over to give? God says, give the first fruits, the very first things that come in the harvest. Give them back to God so that you can remember where they came from in the first place. And when you give that 10% back to God, you are giving up 10% of your illusion of control. You are saying, I'm going to put that 10% of what I control in God's hands, and I trust that what God can do with that control is greater than what I can do. And I'm here to tell you that's true. So that very day, I was looking at our finances and thinking, you know, 10% of what I give, that, that 10% that I give to the church, I could use that pretty much to fund my sabbatical myself. That very day, I got a message from a family in this congregation. And the family said, Pastor, we're sorry to hear you didn't get the grant for the sabbatical. We know you need time to rest and be rejuvenated. So we want to give you a check. A check that would cover the cost of paying a pastor to serve at Faith Lutheran for those three months while you're away. I didn't know what to say. Eventually it occurred to me, I should probably say thank you. Yeah. And then a few days later, someone else called me and said, Pastor, I'm sorry you didn't get that grant for your sabbatical. I know you need time for rest and rejuvenation. I've got a timeshare in Hawaii. I want you to have it next summer. And at that point, I started to cry. Yeah. And then someone else came and said, you know, I've got a cabin you can use. I know part of your sabbatical was that you wanted to spend more time hiking. Well, I've got a cabin up in the mountains. Why don't you and your family use it? And then someone else said, hey, you know, you can transfer airline miles. What if we encourage people to transfer airline miles to you? And someone else said, hey, I have airline miles. I'd be happy to transfer them to you. Friends, since I have gotten rejected for that sabbatical grant, I have cried more in the last two months than I have in the last two years. Not tears of sadness, tears of joy. Because... What God is doing is so much greater than I could have done. Right? Yes, certainly already what people have offered for the sabbatical is more than what I could fund on my own. 
But more than that, even had I gotten this grant, which in terms of a dollar amount would have exceeded what people have offered, the sabbatical experience would not be worth nearly what it is worth now. Because what is most precious in this life is being surrounded by people who love and support you. And now, when I go on this sabbatical, it's not some random nonprofit decided to give you money. When I go on a sabbatical now, it is so-and-so loves you. So-and-so loves you. Your congregation wants what is best for you. That is worth more than anything in this world. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying if you give money to the church, magically money is going to show up in your bank account. What I am saying is this. When we put control in God's hands, God does so much more than we can do with that control. And Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I give, when we, my wife and I, give our 10% to Faith Lutheran Church, most of that money, it goes to fund the salary of our staff, right? Folks like Danny and Luke and Michael. And on one level, yes, right? Danny provides great educational and social opportunities for our daughter, and that is a gift. Luke organizes wonderful music here in worship. Michael keeps our office organized and running, and those are all good things to give to. But more than that, the staff goes around and creates relationships with people that I just literally don't have time to create relationships with. And they take those people with whom they have relationships and they connect them with each other. And they create these networks of relationships which then I get to be a part of. I get to step into those groups and those spaces and those conversations. And because I have invested my treasure in those people, and in those places, and in those conversations, I naturally invest my heart there also. And what I have found is that people want to, to love and support me in the ways that I can, not because they know I give a certain dollar amount to this congregation, but because they know I treasure the people of this congregation. And so they treasure me. What you all have given me is worth so much more than I could ever give this church. Literally, everything I have that I give thanks for every day, in some way, you have given me. So when my wife and I, when we went to purchase our house, we got a house inspection, yeah? And it gives you a list of everything that's wrong with this house that you might want to buy, and it's terrifying, yeah? But one of you is a contractor and said, you know what, Pastor, I'll, I'll come over and I'll walk through the house with you and with that house uh, inspection, and I will explain to you which of these things are a serious problem that you need to worry about and which of these things are just minor things that you don't need to stress about. And because you did that, we bought a house ten days before the campfire, and had we waited, we would not have been able to have bought a house. When my wife gave birth to our daughter and she had trouble breastfeeding, one of you is a lactation nurse. And you offered on your off hours to come over to our house and help my wife feed our daughter, to literally give her life. 
more precious than gold. And when I was single and in search of a wife in the first place, you all found me the perfect woman to be my wife. I cannot put a price tag on that. And I want to be clear, all these things, these are gifts given to me beyond my control. I could not make these things happen if I wanted them to. All I can do is respond with gratitude and try to do the same for others. Now look, it is a privilege for me to be able to give 10% of our family income to this congregation. It is a privilege that I know not everyone is able to do and still take care of the people and responsibilities that God has entrusted into your hands. And so I want to say this. I want to give you a test, uh, an exercise, so that you can see what happens if you put a little more control in God's hands. If you currently give less than 10%, take what you give and try increasing it by half a percent of your income. A half a percent of your income each year. And see what happens. So so say you make your family has an income of about $120,000 a year. Makes for easy math. It's close to what my family makes. 1% of that would be $1,200 a year. Half a percent of that would be $600 a year, which means 50 bucks a month. Yeah? Try increasing your giving by 50 bucks a month. Say your family makes an income of about 60000 Well, that would be an increase of about 25 bucks a month. If your family makes about 30000 it would be an increase of about 12 bucks a month. Yeah? Start there. See what happens. And it may be that, honestly, that much of an increase means that you cannot take care of the people that God has entrusted into your lives. If that is the case, don't give that money to the church, right? God has, first and foremost, called you to take care of those people in your lives. And... If you cannot take care of those people in your lives, come and please talk to me. Right? The church has resources generously given by you all to help people in need. But what I suspect is, what you will find, is that when you place a little bit more of that control in God's hands, you will find what my wife and I have found. That when we place our treasure among God's people, our heart is there among God's people also. And that when we give back to God what was never ours to begin with, Jesus gives to us what is God's, love beyond measure. And we are richer for it. Amen.